Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Good Friday morning, the case against Donald Trump. The damning new evidence and charges prosecutors just added. It's July 28th. Good morning. This is today. Cover up. The former president now accused in a plot to destroy evidence in his classified documents case. This time, surveillance video at Mar-a-Lago. The property manager who claimed the boss wanted it erased. The new charges straight ahead. And the third indictment still looming over Trump's attempts to overturn the election. The heat is on. The East Coast now firmly in the grip of those record-shattering temperatures. If it wasn't for these flashbacks, I don't know what we would do today. Nearly 150 million Americans from coast to coast searching for any relief. The White House declaring the nation's first heat hazard alert. Owl's got the full forecast, including the threat of severe storms today and this weekend. Back to work, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell back on the Senate floor following that frightening freeze mid-sentence. An episode putting an intense spotlight on the advanced age of many of our nation's elected officials. This morning, the growing concerns being voiced by voters. Road to recovery, Bronnie James released from the hospital just days after collapsing from a sudden cardiac arrest. This morning, what his father and doctors are now saying about the health scare. All that plus, chew on this. The CDC sounding the alarm over a mysterious allergy to red meat spread by ticks and it's on the rise, which you need to know before those weekend barbecues. And jumping jackpot, the Mega Millions prize approaching $1 billion in the next drawing, now just hours away today, Friday, July 28, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. It's Friday. Uh, we're going to begin this morning with the news. Additional criminal charges have been filed by the special counsel against former President Trump. They are related to his handling of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. The latest version of this indictment alleges Trump was involved in a plan to delete security video. Now, to be clear, this is separate from another possible indictment Trump is facing over his attempts to overturn the 2020 election and the events of January 6th. That is the case the former president was referring to earlier this month when he talked about receiving a target letter from special counsel Jack Smith that usually indicates an indictment is coming. The charges haven't been filed yet in that case. If it feels like there are a lot of different legal strands here, well, that's because there are. But we're going to try to clear it all up. We'll start with NBC's Garrett Hake this morning. He covers the Trump campaign for us. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. Yeah, all eyes in Washington yesterday were focused on this federal courthouse behind me where grand jurors had been hearing evidence in that 2020 election interference case. That's when the special counsel's office dropped this bombshell new indictment in the other federal case against the former president, the one relating to his handling of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, now alleging that the former president tried to have potentially damaging evidence against him destroyed. Today, former President Trump is facing three more criminal charges related to his handling of highly classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, made public in a new indictment filed by the special counsel Thursday. It charges Mr. Trump with one additional count of willful retention of national defense information and two additional counts of obstruction. 
It also adds a new third defendant, Mar-a-Lago property manager Carlos de Oliveira. Mar-a-Lago surveillance video key to the new charges. Prosecutors say when Mr. Trump heard of the government's request for classified material from Mar-a-Lago, he said, quote, I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. And isn't it better if there are no documents? The government says the boxes were later moved. After the FBI search of the property, the government demanded surveillance video. The next day, prosecutors say, the former president called his property manager and spoke for 24 minutes. Two days later, according to the indictment, De Oliveira and Nauta, quote, went to look at surveillance video in a security booth and walked through a tunnel with flashlights pointing out surveillance cameras. A few days after that, De Oliveira met with a security employee in an audio closet, telling him that, quote, the boss wanted the server deleted. According to the indictment, the employee responded that he, quote, would not know how to do that and that he did not believe he would have the rights to do that. The indictment, which outlines various meetings between De Oliveira and Nauta in the bushes around Mar-a-Lago, does not say whether they were able to delete any video. A lawyer for De Oliveira had no comment. They want to take away my freedom. Mr. Trump, in an interview with Fox News Digital overnight, called the charges, quote, ridiculous and said he was facing harassment. He has already pleaded not guilty to 37 federal felony charges in the classified documents case brought by the special counsel in June. We have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. We also learned yesterday that Mr. Trump's attorneys did meet with prosecutors from the special counsel's office about that 2020 election interference case. Mr. Trump later calling that meeting productive. Whether the former president will be indicted related to that case and on what charges remains unknown. Savannah. All right, Garrett, thank you. We turn now to our senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. Lots to unpack Hi. here. Superseding, superseding indictment yes. adds a new defendant and new charges. And we learned a lot from this yesterday. Let's talk about these new charges because they really put meat on the bone on this obstruction case. This allegation essentially that the former president and some of his aides tried to cover up the mishandling of classified documents. This really strengthens the prosecutor's hand because it helps them tell a story to the jury that will make sense. We don't have to actually understand the president's motive for hoarding these documents, allegedly, but the idea that he actually conspired to attempt to delete the security footage. Prosecutors, you can just hear the closing argument. Ladies and gentlemen, why would someone do that if they didn't think they did anything wrong? And so all along, he said, I've had the right to these documents, but if they're deleting the security footage, it makes it appear prosecutors are going to argue that they knew that they were doing something that was against the law. It seems the prosecutors are playing hardball with some of these Mar-a-Lago employees. Now, another Mar-a-Lago employee being charged here. Do you think this is something of a pressure campaign to say, you better come over and tell what you know, or you're you're looking at some serious prison time? Sure. These are not household names. These are people who were staff at Mar-a-Lago. In fact, in the case of Walt Mano, staff at the White House, who then followed him down and understand that these are people who are loyal. But when you are facing serious prison time, your incentives change a little bit here. And it's clear that they have text messages. They have audio. And prosecutors don't have to show all of their cards. And given the level of detail here, it makes you think that employee number four described in this new indictment, who's this IT director who's who's relaying that the boss wanted us to delete the server, it's clear that he's probably cooperated with the government and turned over a lot, too. And so it just makes you wonder what else they have and that the two other defendants may not know all of that. Now, we also learned something that goes to the heart of the documents that the president is accused of mishandling and the highly classified nature of them. We all by now have heard this audio tape where he's bragging about this document and he's ruffling papers and he's showing some document and saying, well, this is highly classified. 
Now we know something more about what that document was. Yes, and this is the Iran planning document of the president. A former president apparently was showing off in the prosecutor's telling of this to people who were not authorized to receive classified information. But it was never clear whether, in fact, the Justice Department had received that document, whether they had actually gotten it back. And now, according to this indictment, we know they did get it back. He actually returned it. And it's the only document that he's charged with that he actually returned. All the other documents in the case, they had to go fetch from Mar-a-Lago. And so it makes you wonder whether they're charging it now because he said, oh, I don't have it or it was, you know, it didn't exist. Are they putting this in because they want to be able to show that he actually wasn't telling the truth about that? Well, it's interesting because one of his defenses has been, I was ruffling papers. They were newspaper. They weren't this classified document. So it makes it interesting in terms of the prosecutors building another piece of the puzzle. Yep. Laura Jarrett, thank you very much. All right, guys, as we head into the weekend, there's even more extreme weather to discuss. The record shattering heat wave. It's dragging on for weeks in some parts of the country, and it's now beginning to scorch the mid-Atlantic and also the northeast. Al, of course, is tracking the temperatures and the threat of severe storms. But let us start with NBC's Emily Aketa trying to keep cool. She's not far from us down the street in Central Park. Hey, Emily. Hey there, Hodo. Well, you'll see everyone behind me trying to squeeze in their morning exercise before the mercury on the thermometer climbs to the mid-90s here in New York City today. Parts of the Northeast will see triple-digit temperatures over the weekend, and we are far from alone. Roughly 150 million Americans across the country are under heat alerts. So we're talking about roughly half of the U.S. population experiencing this extreme heat. You take a look at areas like El Paso, Texas, for instance. They have seen triple-digit temperatures for now more than 40 days in a row. In Phoenix, Arizona, they've seen temperatures topping 110 degrees for four weeks in a row. Last month was the hottest June on record for around the world. And scientists are already saying that this month is looking to be the same. And if it's not the extreme heat, it's severe storms. We saw dime-sized hail hammering parts of Minnesota, powerful winds knocking over trees. And today, nearly 30 million Americans in the upper Midwest are bracing for another round of severe storms. Yeah, Emily, the heat's on the rise and gas prices are as well. Yeah, that's right. You think about such extreme heat, it can actually cause equipment failures at oil refineries. And so that is going to reduce production and therefore push up the prices at the gas pump. The national average for a gallon of gas has climbed 18 cents over the past month, according to experts. And we've been talking a lot about the air temperature. But the other thing to keep in mind, certain surfaces can actually walk with me here, can actually climb even higher. We take a look at the blacktop here using our uh, thermometer here. 82 degrees right now. But on a day like this, Hoda, it can climb to 140 degrees. Wow, 82. It's only 7, 10 in the morning. All right, uh, Emily, thank you so much. And all of this sets us up nicely for Mr. Roker, who's got his eye on all of it. Hey, yeah, guys, we had the hottest June on record. And now July 2023, according to the Weird Meteorological Organization, first three weeks of July, the Earth's hottest and it's the warmest three-week period ever. So July will be the hottest and August right now setting up to get more of the same. But the good news is there is some relief coming, even though today, Omaha, a heat index, 115, New York, 101, Birmingham, 105. Here comes this cold front that's going to bring some severe weather, but also cooling relief. Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Detroit, all around normal or a little cooler. Whereas tomorrow, still a heat index of 101 in New York City, Cincinnati, 100, St. Louis, 106. 
six. And then look at this. As we head into early next week, more seasonal conditions for Boston, Chicago, Cincinnati, Washington. Unfortunately, our friends down south, Phoenix will end their uh, record streak of 110 degrees plus at 30 days. By Sunday, they're at 109. But still, the heat continues throughout Houston and down into Fort Myers. Here comes the strong storms as that front starts to make its way in. We've got right now 29, 24 million people at severe weather risk for wind gusts of 65 miles per hour, tornadoes possible. And then for Saturday, it moves into the northeast. We're going to be looking from Boston all the way down to Roanoke for 47 million people for some damaging winds, isolated tornadoes possible. So air travel along the I-95 corridor in the northeast is going to be rough for the next 48 hours. But Sunday is going to be great. Okay. Cool. Al, thank you so much. Also this morning, a plea deal remains on hold between Hunter Biden and the Justice Department facing federal tax charges. The president's son was hoping to put his legal troubles behind him this week, but a federal judge expressed concerns over that plea deal. And now the White House is addressing Hunter Biden's legal future. NBC's Ryan Nobles is on the story for us this morning. So, Ryan, what is the White House saying? Well, Savannah, as you know, the White House has gone to great lengths to avoid getting involved in the legal troubles of the president's son. The president himself generally just bats away questions that relate to Hunter. But now as press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, making it clear there is one line the president will absolutely not cross when it comes to his son's situation. She plainly ruled out the possibility of a pardon for pres- from President Biden for his son, insisting that there's a firewall between the White House and the Justice Department. Now, as for that court case, both both sides have about a month to address the federal judge's concerns over that plea agreement. But as for now, that case is headed to trial. Savannah. All right. That's the criminal case on, on Capitol Hill. Hunter Biden is also facing investigations in Congress. What is being looked at there? Any headway uh, by Republicans there? Yeah, you know, Savannah, House Republicans are truly trying to capitalize on this latest plea deal fiasco to not only draw attention to the plea agreement, which they've criticized as a sweetheart deal, but also to focus on his foreign business dealings and whether or not he traded influence for financial gain. One example they continue to point to is a WhatsApp message allegedly sent from Hunter Biden to a potential Chinese business partner where he refers to his father and he says, quote, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. Now, that message was presented by an IRS whistleblower in congressional testimony. Now, Hunter Biden's lawyer has said that the message is, quote, not real. And the president himself has denied being present. House Republicans are hoping to hear soon a testimony in a public setting from Hunter Biden's former business partner. Savannah. All right. Ryan Nobles in Washington. Thanks, Ryan. 714. A lot more to get to. Craig joins the table. Hey, Craig. Good morning. Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell back on Capitol Hill yesterday following that concerning episode freezing for nearly 20 seconds during a news conference. And this morning, that episode's raising some new questions about his health, but also the advanced age of some of the nation's other elected officials and candidates. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez joins us from the campaign trail in Iowa with a closer look at this story. Gabe, good morning. Craig, good morning. Some of the voters we've spoken with here on the trail say it's one of the reasons they're considering Governor Ron DeSantis and other GOP hopefuls, their age. But in politics, it's a difficult and delicate subject. Is it vetting? or ageism. This morning, Republicans standing by Mitch McConnell. 
Mitch is strong. He's stubborn as a mule. But concern remaining after the Senate minority leader froze for nearly 20 seconds Wednesday before being led away from the cameras. Later, the 81-year-old brushing off health concerns and back on the Senate floor. Meanwhile, Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein, who at 90 is the oldest member of Congress, appearing confused in a committee meeting Thursday, interrupted after she began to make a speech when she was only supposed to say, I or nay on a bill. It funds priorities submitted. Yeah, just say I. Okay, just... Aye. Feinstein's office saying the morning was chaotic and that the senator was preoccupied. Feinstein has faced scrutiny since returning from a two-month medical leave for shingles. Both she and McConnell are among the nearly half of U.S. senators at or above 67, the retirement age for most Americans. With the 2024 campaign ramping up, age is an issue that could increasingly play a role in how Americans vote. President Biden is 80. The GOP frontrunner, former President Trump, is 77. A recent NBC News poll found compared to 2020, voters are increasingly concerned about either of them having the necessary physical and mental health to hold office. More than half for Mr. Trump and more than two-thirds for Mr. Biden, who recently joked about his senior status. I know I'm 198 years old. But after tripping and falling over a sandbag last month and falling several times climbing the stairs to board Air Force One, the president has started using a shorter staircase more frequently, a sign of just how important optics can be for voters. I'm 84, so I know what age means. So 84. Do you <laughs> yeah. think an 80, a president should be 84 years old? No, 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 no. It would be nice to have a choice that is not an octogenarian. Isn't there something to be said, though, for experience and wisdom? <laughs> yeah, course, but when you're not cognitive, it, you know, what good is that? Here in Iowa, Senator Chuck Grassley won re-election last year, meaning he'll be 95 at the end of his current term. Craig? All right. Gabe Gutierrez for us there on the campaign trail in Iowa. Gabe, thank you. Some big news from Hollywood this morning. This year's Emmy Award shows being postponed due to the ongoing strike by screenwriters and actors. The Emmy's broadcast was supposed to take place on September the 18th. A new date, though, has not yet been announced. The Writers Guild of America has been on strike since May and SAG-AFTRA. They walked off the job earlier this month. It's the first time since the 1960s that Hollywood's actors and writers have both been on strike at the same time. All right, 718, let us get another check of the weather from Al. All right, guys, well, as we talked about the record highs already, but Florida is going to be seeing a lot of heavy rain today, so we'll be watching that. Severe storms coming across the Great Lakes, but bringing cooler air. Very hot and humid down through the Gulf and into the Texas. Temperatures uh, soaring into the southwest as well. Plenty of sunshine in the Pacific Northwest. And that is your latest weather. Craig and I are going out to an ice cream social after. You guys are so cute. Look at you. Quartet. That's yeah. right, we got to find two other yeah. guys. Like <laughs> Look at you, too. Beautiful bookends. Very Thank cute. You. All right. So uh, you, by the way. Yeah. Well, thanks. The Collaboration Society is here. Uh, we've got some new details on that health scare for Bronny James as NBA star's son is released from the hospital. Kaylee Hartung, she's covering that story for us. Hey, Kaylee. 
Hey, good morning, guys. It was encouraging to hear that Bronny James was out of the ICU less than 24 hours after he was rushed in. And now, more good news that he's recovering at home. But this scary incident has shined a new light on the risk of sudden cardiac arrest for young people in sports. Coming up, we will share the really startling statistics. All right, Kaylee. And then what if a bug bite meant you could never enjoy steak again? Ugh. What you need to know this morning about a pretty serious new CDC warning. It's about ticks that can trigger an allergy to red meat. We'll get into it. But first, on a Friday morning, this is Today. Listen up, true crime fans. It's a big murder trial underway. This Dateline is launching a new podcast with Andrea Canning. Welcome to Dateline True Crime Weekly. We'll cover breaking crime news around I mean, the country. It is the twists, the turns, the crazy. With the best reporters on the case, NBC News analysts, and Dateline producers on the ground. Over. Break it down for us. Just You'll as get as fresh as insights and behind-the-scenes scoops from crime scenes to courtrooms. That is bizarre. Stay in the, the know and up yesterday. to date. So tell us what he said. It Follow Dateline True Crime Weekly to get new episodes starting Thursday. Wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with my NBC neighbor, Jimmy Fallon, to talk about his 10 years as host of The Tonight Show, reflecting on his long career in comedy, his years at SNL, and yes, landing the biggest job in late night. A little time backstage with Jimmy Fallon. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. We're back 7.30. We are going to start this half hour with an update on Bronny James, the 18-year-old, thankfully, now out of the hospital after that alarming collapse from cardiac arrest during basketball practice at the University of Southern California. This morning, Bronny's doctor and his famous father are speaking out. Yeah, NBC's Kaylee Hartung's in L.A. with more. Hey, Kaylee, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. This is the first time we have heard directly from LeBron James since the family issued that initial statement confirming Bronny's collapse. And now, yes, more good news from Bronny's doctor. This is all putting a new spotlight on the prevalence of these kinds of emergencies involving young people. The number of sudden cardiac arrest cases in kids, it's truly stunning. 18-year-old Bronny James, now discharged from the hospital and resting at home following his sudden collapse from cardiac arrest during a basketball practice at USC Monday. His cardiologist sharing the good news in a statement, writing, Thanks to the swift and effective response by the USC Athletics medical staff, Bronny James was successfully treated for a sudden cardiac arrest. He arrived at Cedar sinai Medical Center fully conscious, neurologically intact, and stable. Going on to say, although his workup will be ongoing, we are hopeful for his continued progress and are encouraged by his response. Cardiologist Gregory Katz, who didn't treat James. The ongoing workup is a battery of tests looking at the heart muscle, the blood flow, the electrical activity, as well as everything else to try to figure out why did this happen. Bronny's superstar dad thanking the public for their love and prayers, tweeting, Everyone is doing great. We have our family together, safe and healthy, and we feel your love. His son Bronny's emergency shining new light on cardiac arrest incidents in young athletes. These kids survived, and it happens in nearly every sport, in startling numbers. Every hour in this country, on average, a child under 18 collapses from sudden cardiac arrest. Studies show it's the leading cause of death for kids in sports, with African-American college basketball players like James at the highest risk, though researchers don't know why. 
Uh, we've had a, a heartbreaking situation here. In 2020, former University of Florida basketball forward Keontae Johnson collapsed from cardiac arrest just minutes after a game tipped off. He was later diagnosed with athlete's heart, an enlargement of the heart due to systemic training. Johnson had to sit out for two seasons, but returned and went pro, drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder in June. I just want to say thank you for all the support y'all gave me. Now the question is, as Bronny James recovers from his cardiac emergency, how will it impact his future on the court? Wow, I can only imagine, Kaylee, a lot of parents are watching this and being they're afraid. So if you have a teenager who's playing sports, what's the best thing you can do to protect him or her? Yeah, well, Hoda, experts say first, before your teen plays any sport, make sure they get a full medical screening and the appropriate tests. And then ask your school or kids' sports league, do you have defibrillators on site at every practice and game? And is your staff trained in CPR and AEDs? That can be life-saving. And finally, if your teen is exhibiting symptoms like shortness of breath or dizziness, take these seriously. These can be early warnings that they are at risk for cardiac arrest. And you should take them to a doctor to get checked out, Hoda. All right, Kaylee Hartung for us there. Kaylee, thank you. Good reminder there. Stella had the touching tributes to a founding member of the iconic Eagles. We will remember the life and music of Randy Meissner. First up, something to uh, think about before that weekend cookout. The CDC warning about a tick bite that's spreading an unusual allergy to red meat. We're going to take a closer look. We're also going to answer your questions, and we'll do it right after this. We are back 739 this morning on In-Depth Today. New health alert is getting a lot of attention. Yeah, the CDC sounding the alarm over a tick-borne illness that's spreading across the country, and it leads people to develop an allergy to red meat. Yeah, it's believed to have affected nearly a half a million Americans so far, but new studies show nearly half of doctors don't know about it. They don't know how to diagnose it or to treat it. Joining us now is Dr. Tara Narula. She's a cardiologist at Lenox Cell Hospital, Northwell Health. Dr. Narula, good to see you. So first of all, this is very bizarre. When you think about it, you get a tick bite and then you have an allergy to to meat. So draw the connection there. Yeah, who knew? Perfect story right before we're all about to grill over the weekend, right? So this is a really interesting allergy, and really we learn more about it in the last 15 years or so since it was first published in 2008. And in fact, it is a meat meat allergy, but it's also called an alpha-gal allergy. Mm -hmm. Alpha-gal because that is the sugar that is found in many meats, cows, pigs, but not in humans. So what happens is the tick carries this alpha-gal in its saliva, Mm -hmm. either because it produces it or it bites wild animals. Then it bites you, injects the saliva into you. You think it's something foreign because you don't carry that and you make antibodies. Then one, two, three months later, you sit down to have your burger or your piece of red meat and your body sounds the alarm because it's seeing the sugar again and you mount a full-blown response. So what what would the symptoms be if you're allergic to red meat? So some of the symptoms can be GI upset, gastrointestinal upset, Mm -hmm. nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach pain, headache, but it can also be full-blown anaphylaxis, itching, hives. But the interesting thing, Savannah, is that with most food allergies, the allergy happens about 15 to 20 minutes after you eat something. So it's very easy to make that connection. With this allergy, it can happen two to 10, 11 hours later. So imagine, how would you connect the dots? If you wake up in the middle of the night, you're not going to think it's because of something I ate at dinner. So it can definitely fly under the radar, both for doctors and for people. And that's why this is so important, because there is a blood test that can pick it up. Mm -hmm. Um, You can detect the antibodies. And while there's no cure or treatment, if you recognize it and you stop eating red meat, the allergy can 
potentially wane over time mm-hmm. as long okay. as you avoid tick bites again. Well, probably a good time to remind folks how the best ways to protect yourself from tick bites in general. Yes, important. And this this tick is the Lone Star tick, which we were just talking doesn't actually carry Lyme. Yeah. But you're going to use the same measures, which is really avoiding those tall grasses, wearing long shirts and pants, tucking them in, using uh, insect repellent that's EPA recommended, permethrin treated clothing. When you come in, you want to shower, you want to do tick checks, yeah. check your kids also and look in those difficult places, the belly buttons, behind the ears, by mm. your hairline. You can tumble dry your clothes in high heat. That will also do it. And this is another interesting thing. If you find a tick, you want to pull it out, the full thing with tweezers. And there's actually a website the University of Rhode Island has called Tick Spotter, where you can take a picture. Tick Spotter? Yeah, yeah, upload your tick, and within Ooh. 24 to 36 hours, They'll you'll be told you. what kind of tick it is and well, what you should great. do. So if you get bitten and you treat it early, and right. is there, so does that mean that your symptoms won't last as long? Like if you realize it right away, you don't wait? Yeah, I mean, the important thing is, is obviously you don't want to continue to get exposed to the ticks, because as we said, that could potentially make the red meat allergy go on for longer. And some of these people actually have allergies to dairy as well, and oh. even gelatin-coated medications that mm. are made with that alpha-galactose. But yes, important. In fact, a study in 2015 showed that for about 80% of individuals, it took seven years to get diagnosed. So imagine you're suffering year after year. So are, really important to raise awareness. Are there parts of the country that, that we're seeing this more than others? Does it matter where you live? Well, the Lone Star Tick is really predominantly in the South, the Southeast, the Mid-Atlantic states. But with warmer climates, we're seeing it as far north as Maine and the West. Okay. And you recognize it with a little star, a white star on the back of the female tick. That's why it's called Lone Star. White star? Oh, Very wow. cute. Really? I thought it was from the tax. Me too. Texas. I thought it was no, Texas. No, it's not from Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dr. Narula. Thank you. Thank you. That right. was a fun fact. All right, Al, what you got in the weather? And that's part of the problem with climate change. We get warming, uh, this warming climate. We're seeing these insects and all sorts of uh, problems that are expanding because of a warmer climate. And speaking of warmer climate, uh, record warm waters worldwide. We're talking Gulf of Mexico, record warmth at 86 degrees. The North Atlantic, even warm at as almost 77 degrees. The Mediterranean Sea, 83. Tropical Atlantic, 83. Manatee Bay, Florida, 80, uh, almost 101 degrees. 45 percent of the oceans now in a marine heat wave. And these intense, more frequent, longer lasting uh, marine heat waves are because of climate change. This changes all the, the species that are living in the ocean. The corals are having problems and, of course, creates more and potent storms, and it's harder for land masses to cool off Why we start to see more frequent heat waves. As we look ahead to the weekend, severe storms in the northeast, mid-Atlantic, very hot and humid on Saturday, record highs as we get into the southwest, sunshine along the east, the west coast, Sunday, Sunday, we're looking for a break from the heat, Great Lakes all the way into New England, but still hot down to the Gulf, showers in the southwest, monsoonal moisture, that monsoon season is getting started, and we're looking for hot, dry weather out west. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. All right, coming up uh, on Popstart, another music icon heading to Las Vegas. We're going to tell you about the newest residency coming up on the Fame Strip.